Miguel Aziz's first goal for Portsmouth. Into the path of Smithrow, into the box. Smithrow scores! A really deserved first goal in Huddersfield Town Colours. I can tell you one thing is for sure. The Charlie Patino hype is real, and it's not hype. It's not smoke being blown up your ass. There's a reason that he has been called the greatest talent to come out of Hale End, and he has started off hot here for Blackpool, and we're going to just get right into it. There's a lot to cover today. I do not want to take too much of your time, but, man, we have 13 players on loan featuring often a few more likely to go out. It's a very exciting time, and all these players are mostly all of them are pretty much getting to make immediate impacts here. I mean, the loan development here at Hale End over the past couple of years, the way we've shifted, the way we're doing business and and making talents grow in the right areas and sending them to the right places, I can't say enough about it. It's really night and day from kind of the old school way of, of how things used to run at Arsenal. But back to Patino, made his debut in a 2-0 loss to Stoke, comes on, for the final 20 minutes, and he stole the show. Even even in a loss for Blackpool, he absolutely stole the show. 7 of 10 passing, one key pass, successful dribble on his only attempt, won both of his ground duels, and drew a foul with a lovely feint, and Blackpool fans quite literally already have a song for Charlie Patino that they've written. They're singing it in the grounds on the way out, in a loss to Stoke, and in his first start that I will touch on, and here it is. As you can tell, the Blackpool fans were pretty excited by what they saw, and you couldn't not be just from his first two touches. His first touch, he receives a pass with a defender on his back, took one dribble around him that was so effortless, uh, but the defender was left in the dust and immediately had to foul him. Second touch, Patino receives the pass in between three defenders in his own third, scanned around him, use a feint without even touching the ball, split two defenders and one big touch into the space he had now created to start an attack. And, I mean, this is exactly why he has been heralded as such an amazing talent. He has what all great midfielders in history have used, and that is the ability to scan the pitch. This doesn't just mean when you're on the ball. This kind of means quite the opposite. Uh, And what it means is before he's received a pass, before he even knows he's receiving a pass, he is scanning the pitch to see where his team have the advantages, where he can find the space, where he can progress play as quickly as possible. And then by the time he has received a pass, and by the time he has the ball at his feet, he does not have one option on his mind. He has many options on his mind. And then it's a matter of just making the pass. And he has all the ability in the world to do that. The kid has both ability and mental fortitude, and those are two things that a midfielder must need. I mean, think of the likes of Ozil, Busquets, Fabregas, De Bruyne. I mean, some of the great midfielders of the last 20 years. They all have this ability 
beyond belief. I mean, watch De Bruyne week in and week out. Look, think, look at his assist this past weekend to Holland. It took him one touch to receive the ball and play an inch-perfect pass to Holland, making a run between defenders. And that's because he didn't have to know Holland was there when he had the ball. He knew Holland was making that run long before the ball came to him. And a lot of that also has to do with what skill is around you. But if you're scanning, number one, you're not going to give the ball away in dangerous areas because you know where the defender is. You know when a defender's at your back. You know where you can take a heavy touch and when you need to play with tight dribbles, with concise dribbles in tight areas. And Patino has this to such a T. It's something you almost cannot teach. And he did it beautifully here in these first two two moments, especially in the second moment. If you watch the replay, you can find the comp online. You can see it on Twitter. Charlie takes two, three, four looks around, not only directly behind him, but on each wing and in front of him to see what is his best move when he receives this pass that he knows is coming to him, either from a defender or the goalkeeper, at some point in this area of the pitch. And, and what he does is allow the ball to roll to him until he knows he's at the advantage. He knows the defender is now coming towards him, that if he takes a touch to the right place, that defender is going to be on the back foot. And he does it to perfection, and it's why he's going to succeed so immediately at this level to begin with, regardless of the talent around him, regardless of the goal contributions that potentially may or may not come. This ability to scan is something that you cannot teach, and it's such an advantage, and it is the only pathway to becoming a world-class midfielder. It truly, truly is. I mean, you see it with some midfield. I mean, even Granit Xhaka at times does this. But you see when they don't, and they get themselves into trouble, and they often need their teammates to call man on. Or, you know, a lot of the time when Bernalino was goalkeeper, there was a lot of complaints that he wasn't pointing out to Jocko when he was receiving passes. You have a guy coming at you, and we would give up goals in dangerous areas because of this. Patino has such an elite mind for the game. And it's so fun to watch intelligent players like that. It is the reason that Mesut Ozil is one of my favorite players of all time. His... Just body, it, it's Saka has it to an ability, not scanning, but the, the ability to use your body without touching the ball to make two, three defenders not know where you're going. If you don't scan, you can't do that. And, and Patino does that so perfectly. Not to mention, he has grown physically. I mean, you remember what he looked like on the pitch on his debut, scoring that goal. He was a little kid. He, he's now six foot one. He's gotten a lot stronger in his upper body, which is going to be huge. I mean, you don't have to be this beefy, strong, you know, think of Thomas Partey or Rodri. They're these big, strong midfield men, you know, whatever. I mean, he, he has the Think about Wilshire. Wilshire was scrawny when he came in and made a huge impact, and he began to grow and fill out his frame as, as he aged. I mean, think about Smith Rowe. He has filled out his frame. Think about Martinelli. It's going to take time to do that, but he's already grown. He's winning aerial duels. He's duels. He's matching up physically to the senior players at this level. It, it, it was a lot of fun to just watch this 20-minute cameo. It really was, was incredible, and I, I will say it again. His ability to take one dribble and beat a man and find a pass, it allows you to progress play so quickly and, and catch the defense off guard, and, and Patino is going to really succeed because of it at this level pretty immediately. Um, he earned his first start in the League Cup just a few days later in a match against Barrow, uh, where he was quite good. I mean, I, I've seen reports that he won man of the match, uh, he was 42 of 51 passing, 4 of 6 on long balls, balls 
Uh, 8 of 16 on duels won. He was fouled twice. He won four tackles and an interception. It's not just the passing for him. He He's so intelligent. He knows how to get into passing lanes. He, he knows how to read another midfielder on what he plans to do, can force them the wrong way. I mean, he's not the fastest player on the pitch, but he uses his first step to his strengths. He's a, he's a big body, six foot one. He takes long strides. It, it's, it's pace in a different way from winger type pace, and it, it helps him get into the right areas and, and be a complete midfielder. Uh, I mean, I have seen that some of the passes he made, not necessarily the most progressive in this match. I think uh, Blackpool actually struggled quite a bit. They unfortunately lost the match 1-0 in penalties, but it was a solid performance, uh, really efficient in his passing. And and a big thing for him on whether he can really be elite this year or not is going to be whether the lack of technical prowess in the actual Blackpool side holds him back. Right, because if players aren't making the right runs, occupying the right spaces, if he's not able to play one twos, it, it, it will hold him back from being the star of the team or the league, whatever Patino might do this season. But another, you know, a, a, good to see him play well in his first start. He's going to have to adapt to this level, and, and a little unfortunate for the team to lose on penalties and not advance because it would have been really good experience uh, in the cup for him, especially if they got to face a higher league side at, at a certain point. On to the next debut, Fuller and Balagoon comes in and plays 26 minutes against Marseille. Uh, Nuno Tavares played that match for Marseille, scored a goal, actually a fabulous goal. Uh, But Balagoon comes in, plays the last 26 minutes, and scores a fabulous headed goal. I made an aggressive run into the box, made a quick reaction to kind of a deflected cross, and headed it home with a very powerful and direct header into the uh, far corner. Really impressed by this goal for Balagoon. This is, again... This is a season where he needs to score goals. Last season was a season where he needed to kind of learn movement better, how to be a hold-up striker better, which he actually did quite well in this game. Looked strong with his back to goal. Uh, found pockets of space between center backs quite a few times to help the team keep possession. Uh, he, he won an aerial duel. He made a nice key pass off of a flick with his back to goal. Very lively start for Flo. I'd expect him to earn that starting striker spot fairly soon. He had just come in, hasn't trained a bunch, but great to see him get a goal. Uh, and against top opposition. I mean, this is one of the best sides in League One that he scored against. And again, he was aggressive and lively to it, which is what you love to see from a striker. Arthur Oconquo got a couple of opportunities to play this week. Uh, First in the league, 90 minutes in goal, kept a clean sheet, uh, played quite well. So a lot of praise for him on Twitter uh, for this performance. Three saves, two high claims, and a save from inside the box. The high claims is something that are important for a player like Nkonkwo. He's massive. He's a huge body. That's a big strength of his. If he can command his box aerially and prevent easy crosses, easy corner goals, that's a big, big plus for him. That's something he has to be able to do because of his size. Um, his pack, passing, again, lacked a little bit of discipline. 10 of, 10 of 28 passing, only 3 of 21 on long bulls, balls. Again, we know Crew does not like to play from deep, so... The distribution thing is going to be an interesting one for Conquo on this loan. Uh, he had one really nice outlet on a long ball, kind of one of those line drive that you see Ramsdale do all the time, those quick kind of off-the-half volley, went right to a winger's head in the opposition half, immediately turned into a goal-scoring opportunity for Crew. Those are the kind of, if he's going to have to play long balls, if he can improve on those kinds of passes, those are invaluable. I mean, those literally start counterattacks straight from the back without having to play through midfield. Then you open up the space so that you can play from the back. So... Great to see him doing that. 
Uh, a very, very good match for him to keep a clean sheet and, and make a save from inside the box on, on a hard, low shot. Um, he then played 90 minutes in the League Cup in a 4-0 loss to Grimsby, and this was not really his best match. Um, Grimsby scored from four or five shots on target. The only shot they didn't score from was late in the match from far distance, and Conquo, you know, kind of just tipped it over the bar for the save. He looks to be struggling a little bit with his starting position in net, which is an odd thing to struggle with. Never really seen this from him. I wonder if he's just not comfortable yet, or they're asking him maybe to start a little bit higher. Maybe they're working on something with him. It's an odd thing to struggle with. He, he did actually distribute the ball pretty well in this match, completing above 80% of his passes. They went short much more often. A lot probably has to do with the opposition and, and whatnot, but... You know, it's give and take. This is going to be a long season. Goalies are one of the hardest things to kind of progress in going to the senior level is playing goalkeeper and being asked to do different things. Obviously, with Arsenal under 23s last year, it was a lot of playing short, a lot of highly technical players who could control the ball on long balls with the first touch, who, who were playing back and forth to him. So let's give him some time here. But, you know, one good match, one okay match here. Uh, obviously, Crew did not play their best in the 4-0 loss to Grimsby. Marcelo Flores, still not into the competitive season quite yet. But, you know, he's playing in these friendlies. He's, he's playing in a few different positions. This week he played twice. Uh, he played the first half, the first 45 minutes against Real Aviles in a friendly. And this one was interesting to watch because he actually seemed to play a little bit more centrally than previously that first Lone match, if you recall, he played on the left wing, really as a touchline winger, was cutting in, and this was not maybe as good of a match for him. He was a little bit looser with his passing. Uh, he actually did very well pressing, which was nice to see because I actually thought he could have improved on that in that first match. He was aggressive. He was he was pushing up on the center backs, forcing bad passes, um, but he always does really, really well to find space to get his shot off, and, and it's really it's a good thing to see because he's confident. He has the ability to score from distance. And it seems like even in tight areas, he's able to see pockets of space. And that's important because if you're in tight areas shooting, the goalie finds it hard to track the ball. So if you can find a tight area to release a shot from, you have already a, step, a leg up on the keeper because he's not going to track the ball until it's past his defenders. A really interesting thing that I've noticed about him is that. And he's immediately been able to do it at this level. Again, he played a little bit more centrally in this match. It'll be interesting to see if they kind of move him throughout that they have a solo striker that they play with, but he might play a lot uh, between left wing, right wing, and, and in more of a fluid attacking midfield role where he's happy to play. Uh, I think he's kind of best when he's floating in that interior, sometimes pushing out wide on the left side. He was a little bit on the right side here. But again, a friendly. I'm sure they're moving him around quite a bit. Uh, then Marcelo played the last 25 minutes against Racing Club uh, de Santer, Santander. And again, he played a little bit more centrally in this match. He did kind of towards the end move a little bit over to that left wing, and he, he, did, he did a lot better there. Uh, he loves to take the defender inside. He loves to get the ball to feet, you know, 1v1 with the right back, move that right back inside and allow for that overlap, uh, which it, it really creates something for the team because then the, the right back has to decide whether they're going to follow the overlap. The center back may push there. The midfielder may push there. It allows for him to find interior passing lanes, um, to balls over the top, balls down the wing, switch the field. I will say, though, his biggest weakness right now, once he brings a defender inside, is he needs to improve on crossing from half spaces. If he's going to be an interior long-term, if that's the plan, kind of an attacking-minded eight, 
potentially fit into a left center mid role at Arsenal. I don't think that's a long-term plan, but if he wants that ability to be an interior, a Bernardo Silva type player at times who can play interior and on the outside, he has to improve on crossing from half spaces. He actually has very good angles. He sees angles well. It's the weight of the passes that need to get better. Uh, he's overhitting them a little bit, which is understandable. Uh, it's better than underhitting them. He's putting the ball into space for his players, but he's just needs to work on the weight of those passes. But again, you cannot fault his tenacity and his aggression. And his technical level is just ridiculous. His first touch is so absurd. So many balls come into him that don't look controllable. He takes one touch up to himself, brings it down. Or one touch, flicks it over to a teammate or to himself. And he's fooling defenders left and right. It's, it's fascinating to watch a player who's so young and with such little senior experience do this already. Another player in the first touch spectacle position is Tyrese John Jules, who you know I've spoken about a hundred times how much his first touch impresses me. And, you know, he got a little bit of action this week. He played 20 minutes in the 2-1 win over Forest Green in League One, and he did well to see the game out. He actually came in and, and did a job. He retained possession very, very well, won the ball back, drew fouls, kept the ball in Ipswich's hands so that they were able to see the game out, keep the lead, and, and get the three points. 10 of 16 passing, he won 4 of 6 duels, 2 of 2 aerial duels, which is so, so, so big when you're seeing a game out. You're trying to play long, trying not to be dangerous with the ball, and to win an aerial duel and win it to a teammate and keep possession is huge. And of course, getting fouled twice in the last 20 minutes slows the game down, gives you possession in an attacking area, allows you to swing it across, get a shot off, potentially see another goal. Really did a role here, and I think if he continues to do that, he might just get into the first team and, and get that chance to impress he did play the full 90 uh, in a front three against Colchester in, in a 1-0 loss in the League Cup. And he played kind of as a left forward, I want to say. They kind of played a 3-4-3 with three forwards. He wasn't the main central striker. I didn't feel that he made himself available enough making runs in behind. He comes back to the ball a little too often. And as kind of a left forward, you need to be stretching the defense a little bit more. Um he did fine. He, he didn't play horribly. He didn't play poorly. But you'd like to see him be more aggressive when he gets the chance so that he can earn himself that starting role, right? He comes out and scores a couple goals in the League Cup after he saw the game out well on the previous weekend. Maybe he gets a start. Unfortunately, I don't know that that'll be the case after this match. He's not wasteful with the ball, though. You can't fault him for that. 13 of 17 passing. He did have a key pass. Only won three of his nine duels, but got three shots away, three shots off target. Ipswich just didn't have it clicking on all angles here. Uh, and, and unfortunately took a loss in the League Cup. Again, it would have been nice for him to make a little bit of a run, get to play against higher-level competition later in later rounds, but Ipswich took the loss. Uh, Omar Rekik played the final 12 minutes in a nil-nil draw with Herendine. And as I was saying, I was a little bit worried about his lack of involvement in the final few preseason games. You really would like to see him starting. He looked so comfortable in these final 12 minutes excellently in possession. 8 of 8 passing, won his one aerial duel, didn't lose possession a single time he touched the ball. Such a comfortable player on the ball. Dribbled into space. He brought a midfielder out, then made a pass. I'd like to see him do it even more, be more aggressive. He has the ability to dribble around a player and, and make a cross from, you know, in that kind of half space area. He can play left center back and right center back. He really was on his left foot a lot in this final 12 minutes. He came in as a left center back. So, You'd have to think he's going to win that starting role because his technical skill is clearly so high and the team need that to keep possession and create attacks. Uh, didn't score in this match. But again, I was worried about that lack of involvement. That was something I was worried about.
Now, Harry Clark is not a guy who you need to worry about being involved in the match and being involved on the pitch. And he showed just that this week with 90 minutes at right wing back in a 2-0 win over Blackpool. We touched on the Blackpool side of things earlier with Patino, but Harry Clark scored a lovely header goal uh, on the back post. It was a wing back to wing back goal. Great cross. Uh, Antonio Conte would have been proud exactly you know, what you see with his teams quite often. And, and a really lovely finish by Harry Clark. A hard header. Really made a nice run onto the back post. Was unmarked and uh, headed it home. And it really, every time I watch him, it amazes me how well he does in the attacking third. And he's really learned how to weight his passes down the line to perfection. Like... He knows how to play a pass into space for his forward who's ahead of him to run onto uh, so that he can either overlap or invert depending on the space that it provides itself for him. But that's not an easy task because obviously you want to hit it hard so that your attacker has the ability to run onto it, but you always have the end line waiting for you to hit it too hard. And he did really well in this match especially, playing balls down the line, helping Stoke get into an attacking area, helping Stoke keep possession and, and continue to, to swing crosses in. And we always talk about what happens on the defensive side of things. And in this game, he was very, very solid defensively. He looked energetic. He looked up to the pace of the game. Uh, He won a lot of aerial duels. He was smart. He played the ball out when he needed to instead of trying to force it. We saw a lot of him trying to force play last season when the ball came to him, when when he won the ball back. And he didn't do that in this match, and it was a big reason why Stoke was able to keep a clean sheet. Uh, His stats for the match, he was 15 of 21 passing. He had one key pass, two of two on long balls, three of three on aerial duels, uh, three clearances, one a tackle. Uh, We will say, though, that the one thing he still needs to improve on is kind of his 1v1s defensively. Like, he gets either too aggressive and, and puts a foot in too quickly, and immediately a player goes around him, or... He doesn't, you know, get up on a cross, or he doesn't stand in the right place. In this match, he was dribbled past three times and only won one of his seven ground duels. So, needs to work on his discipline. You don't need to go in for every tackle. You don't need to try and win every duel. You need to try and win the duels that present themselves to you so you're not just giving the opposition free roam. But you need to pick your choose your battles, and that's something he's still working on. Uh, Stoke aren't getting killed on it because, obviously, with the five at the back, he's got a lot of cover. Blackpool kind of struggles to maintain possession in this match. Harry Clark did come on in the final 13 minutes at right wing back in a loss to Morricom in the League Cup in penalties, but he did quite well in that 13 minutes. Really was very active in trying to get Stoke over the line of regulation, trying to win the match. They were pushing forward, pushing forward, lots of opportunities. Uh, he won three of four duels. He was seven of eight passing, two of two on long balls. He got four shots off in 13 minutes. Like He found himself in very attacking areas. He knows how to do that part of the game. There's no question. He, he, he was successful in both of his dribbles. This is going to be a great loan move for him. I keep saying it. Very excited that Arsenal, again, Arsenal made a great decision here to bring him back from Scotland. He got the experience there. If he continues to play like this at the championship level, he's going to make Arsenal profit next season. Uh, selling him to a championship team, five, six, seven, eight million pounds. No questions asked. Uh, I think this is a great start for him. On the other side of defense, you have Mazid Agungbo making his, his debut for Crawley Town for Kevin Betsy's side. Coming on for the final 36 minutes at left wing back in League 2. And he did incredibly well for such a short period of time for his first involvement in senior football. I mean, the amount of times he touched the ball in 36 minutes as a left wing back, insane. 46 of 52 passing, 2 of 3 on long balls, 1 of 1 on dribbles. He won all 5 of his duels and made 2 tackles. 
settled in incredibly, incredibly well for such a young player, such an inexperienced player. Obviously, a lot has to do with the fact that this was his coach last year who you know, took him to the next level. A gungbo, it was not clear if he was going to stay at Arsenal, if he would you know, make the impact at Arsenal's youth level that would keep him in the mix there if he'd get released. He had a great season last year playing both as a left wing back and as a left center back in that back five um, and, and, and really performed excellently here and earned himself a starting position in their match with Bristol Rovers in the League Cup where he played at left wing back again, played the full 90, and they got the win over a League One side, and they pretty much dominated most of the match. Ogungbo, again, really, really, really good in possession. He's very strong at not losing the ball and making the correct pass, not forcing it if it's not there, but also... He can play a ball down the line, can play a ball into the channel for an attacker, uh, and he did excellently in this match. 40 of 45 passing, 2 of 2 dribbles successful, 8 of 8 on ground duels. He's so far won every single duel he has been a part of uh, in senior football, which is incredibly impressive for such a young defender. Uh, two clearances, two interceptions, three tackles, and was actually fouled three times without committing a foul himself. So this is I incredible for a player who I actually reckoned would play more as a left center back when he was brought into the side, but seems like he's made home for himself in a little bit more forward position. I think a lot of that, again, has to do with the fact that he's so comfortable in possession. He rarely gives up the ball cheaply. He rarely forces a pass, and he's comfortable playing all the way wide on that touchline, keeping the ball on his left foot, pinging balls across diagonals, finding a man in front of him, playing it back when necessary. And as I said, no issues at all adapting to the senior game. He's physically strong. He's physically fast. He's holding his own. He's creating and keeping possession for his side. And I would expect him to continue in that role moving forward for Betsy. I mean, he's really performed adamantly so far. There are more defenders to talk about, which is crazy because when you think of Hale End, you don't think about the defenders that have come out of the academy who have made it at Arsenal in the past, who have made a profit for Arsenal in the past. But clearly... Per Mertesacker at the helm, a lot has changed. They're developing defenders, modern develop defenders. I think a lot of that has to do with, you, you hear about it with every single young player who comes to Arsenal, especially those who came from a different academy, how they say the technical level is so high. Every single drill has to do with nailing down the technical abilities of a player. And the modern defender has to be a lot more technically capable than the defenders of old. I mean, you see it. More and more. I mean, think about guys like Cancelo. Like, the fact that he's a defender is funny. Like, he's, his best attributes, none of them are defensive. But he's one of the best left backs in the world. And that is really, I think, the main reason why we have so many young defenders coming out of Hale End. And Ryan Alibiosu has maintained his starting spot with Kilmarnock, starting a right wing back in a 2-0 loss to Rangers. Honest to God, Kilmarnock... Twitter was going haywire at how poorly they played in this match. Outpossessed 73% to 27%. I thought Alibiosu did okay in this match with what he could do. 22 of 23 passing. Uh, defensively wasn't at his best. Only one out of eight duels won. He got dribbled past a couple of times. Committed a few sloppy fouls. I, I think there was a lot of frustration in this match for a lot of players on his side. There was not a lot of possession to be had. There was a lot of getting stuck in, trying to win aerial duels, trying to keep the ball away, not being able to retain possession. Again, frustration really settled in. Not Alibiosu's best match, and, and not in a, in a match where he can you know be his best self. He likes to be a strong, powerful runner with the ball at his feet. He likes to burst down the wings, play a cross in. Didn't have the space to do that here. Didn't have the opportunity to do that here. But again, not wasteful with the ball at his feet. Very technically sound player, a strong player. 
expect him to continue to play in that role. A defender who's kind of confusing me, though, is, is, is the Alex Kirk move. And I think we spoke about it on the last few episodes, especially the one with Kev, where it's like sending someone to the second division in Scotland only makes sense if they're going to play week in and week out and get the experience. Like, that's why you sent them. But for him to be sitting on the bench now for multiple matches in a row, came on in the 94th minute of a 3-2 win over Queen's Park uh, this past week. But obviously, the match ended right after. I mean, he just came on as a matter of time-wasting. This doesn't work for me. This is not a loan that makes sense to me. I'd rather see him playing with the under-21s. I mean, look at the lineup Crystal Palace put out there last weekend. They had Mateta, Ebioe, uh, Rydewald, Chris Richards. They had senior players in their under-21s. That would be better experience than sitting on the bench and playing 30 seconds in a Division II Scottish football match. So this Alex Kirklow needs to figure itself out. I'm a little frustrated. I think the manager, as I said, seems like he's a little bit unhappy with how the squad was progressing, how the defense was playing. I mean, if he didn't think it was going to take time for a player who's never played senior football of Alex Kirk's age to adapt, then he shouldn't have brought him in. This is a confusing situation, and I really hope if it doesn't get resolved, you bring Alex Kirk home in January, send him back somewhere else, or let him play with the under-21s, depending on what happens with Rule Walters, what happens with Zach Aw, what happens with Mon Louis. There's a lot to see here. But yeah, this loan's upsetting to me. Uh, another one we were all confused about, Ovi Ejahiri. Going to the 6th Division, obviously, he's with Chelmsford City. But, you know, he's playing at least. Played in goal in a 1-1 draw with St. Albans. Uh, not much he could have done for the goal that was allowed. It was a, a half-volley, top of the box, banged into the bottom left corner um, off of a clearance. Nothing he could do there. Um, but he did well to make a few high claims. Another rather large goalkeeper does well to protect his box. Uh, th- let's see if he can, you know, get a little bit more challenge. Uh, potentially, you know, show a little bit in his distribution. Again, a weird loan, but at least he's playing. At least he's playing. Uh, the last two guys who are both in the Netherlands in different divisions, Mika Biareth, did not feature in a 2-2 draw with Utrecht in their first official match of the season. After the preseason that he had scoring all those goals and playing so many minutes, kind of hard to understand why that might be. It seemed like he was off and running. He was playing excellently, scoring, assisting. Seemed to be the main man. He was wearing the number 9 shirt. I don't know. Let's see what happens here with BRF. Very, very confusing. And then, unfortunately for Nikolai Moeller, he picked up a foot injury in the final preseason match. Uh, I was speaking with his family. They tried everything to get him ready. The club really wanted to get him ready for the match, and there was just too much pain. He was devastated not to be able to play in the opener, but hopes to be back with the squad rather soon. Uh, and, and on that goal-scoring form that he finished off of in the preseason, another guy who was scoring lots of goals, he's clearly the starting striker when he's healthy, though. There's no doubt about that. But, again, there's a lot of players that still might leave. Uh, 13 players on loan as of right now. I'd expect a few more. Matt Smith, I can't believe, is still playing with the under-21s. He, he really should leave permanently for his own career. You know, Aziz scored in the first match of the U21 season. He looked great. Uh, Marquinhos looked unbelievable in that U21 match. I mean, he's clearly way too progressed physically for that level. It'll be interesting to see what Arteta decides to do with him. My guess is they're going to wait a little longer to see if they bring a winger in. If they do not, I think Marquinhos is going to make the bench for a few matches. A lot, I mean, a lot depends here with if Pepe leaves, if Reese Nelson leaves. But I would be interested to see Marquinhos get some Europa League action uh, alongside maybe guys like Kayon Edwards, Brooke Norton Cuffey. I think those kinds of guys are going to play in those matches. He was unbelievable, though, in this under-21 match. And make sure to tune in for the next one. If Marquinhos is playing, wow, is he fun to watch. I mean, he is 
they did not undersell him in the preseason. He looks like a hell of a player. But again, I expect a few more players to go out on loan, which will make for this podcast to be quite beefy every week and a lot to keep up on. Um, enjoying watching the players. I mean, Patino has been a blast. Balgun, it was actually, I really enjoyed watching that Marseille-Reims uh, match. I, I really did. I don't get to watch a lot of League One uh, for obvious reasons, but I, I really enjoyed that match. Nuno Tavares looked great. Uh, I was tweeting about him. There was there was there was some good stuff going on, and you know we're still waiting for Marcelo Flores to make his official debut. That's coming up here, uh, and you know hopefully those guys who are on the bench finally find their way into the side. Omar Rekik being a big one, and then obviously Mika Biareth was a big confusion there. But thank you all for listening again. Really appreciate it. Would love if there are any questions or anything. Hit me up. Happy to respond. Uh, happy to discuss anything having to do with the loan periods or, or, or the youth players who are, are still back at home and, and we're watching week in and week out. It does look like Omari Hutchinson got off to a nice start with the Chelsea under-21. Still a bit baffled by the move considering he's still playing youth football, uh, but it is what it is. Uh, this is another episode of Away From Hell End. Thank you for listening, and we will be back next week. <laughs>